Hey, welcome to Ultra Life Today. I'm Adam Payne, and we have a special guest today. This is a segment that I've been dreaming about doing for some time, uh, is to bring in some experts in the botanica harvesting and nurturing field, a guy that I met at a recent conference in botanical botanical uh, drug development in um, good old Mississippi, and I... Uh, have for you here ed fletcher edward fletcher do you go by ed or edward what, uh, what? if we're in business if we're doing business it's edward so this is a more personal <laughs> thing coming in how's that ed there we go all right ed well it's it uh, we called it botanicals with ed fletcher or we might just shorten it with botanicals with ed because okay. i think people really you know uh the more i've got you know ed the more i've gotten into botanicals Right. And, uh, you know, I've had a, I, uh, I, I've, I've gotten into the natural medicine space kind of kicking and screaming. And you know a little bit about my, of my story yes. about, um, 14 years ago, back in 2008, I helped develop a drug and that's, was a spagyric extract. And you know a little bit about spagyrics. That's what really, um, uh, very few people know about spagyrics and the fact that you're like, oh yeah, I know spagyrics. That, those are cool. <laughs> we kind of, we kind of created an instant affinity. Um, so, and it was, it was really nice to find somebody that understood that stuff. But, uh, most people don't have this appreciation in the pharmaceutical world that literally almost all of pharmaceutical product or development came from the natural medicine space yeah and my hair is over 75 percent were botanical based and then they just synthesized the constituent out took it in the lab and were able to synthesize it. yeah yeah that's right well and then later we with all of our chem chemistry and getting down to like the molecule right. we've gotten into this molecular pharmaceuticals and right. and those have had their application right yeah. but then yeah. More recently, with biologic therapies, we've come back to kind of, well, we need something that has an organic function in the body, like antibodies or uh, immunotherapies that actually mimic different right. parts of the human biology. Right. So that, that brings us back to botanical you know, products and how botanical products work. So Ed, you, know, you, are, the, you are a board member for the American Herbal Products Association, which is one of the prestigious um, congresses of botanical medicinal knowledge out there, and yes. uh, you might you know say a few words about that in, in, a, in a minute. You're also the president and the CEO of Native Botanicals, which is a company that focuses, to my best understanding, on the uh, finding uh, and procuring um high quality botanical ingredients for the natural products manufacturing community so how, ed how did you even get involved in 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 that <laughs> well first of all I'll, I'll take them in order so yes the american herbal products association is a it's a member organization where members from all over the country all over the world actually just not america of uh people in the natural products industry from manufacturers to growers to wildcrafters to uh, retailers. So it's a member organization. I'm very glad to be there. I've been with Alpha since 1994, I think, and 
been on the board for the last 18 or 20 years. So it's a very what? That long? Incredible. Okay. Wow. Super cool. So as far as getting into the botanicals, I, I was raised in them. Adam, my, uh, my great-grandfather started a native plant nursery in 1892, mm-hmm. passed down to my, I was the fourth generation who've been running the nursery. And now my brother, we were selling these plants, growing and selling these native plants for ornamental reasons. And so what's funny is through the years, I always remember some of these people calling up and say, hey, can I buy 50 pounds of black collage? And I'd say, we don't sell it by the pound. We sell it by the potted plant. Oh, my gosh. But, but as soon as they said they were buying by the pound, you know, I finally put two and two together that they were using them in a botanical product, a medicinal product. So Yeah, it makes sense. Yep. Anyway, in the mid-90s, there, a company came to me and asked me, said, hey, uh, there's a lot of pressure on our wildcrafted items these days. We wanted to bring some of these into domestication and cultivate them to have a more sustainable supply, probably, you know, improve the quality and many things that you can do when you cultivate them. And so I uh, went into the business there and uh, started growing them instead of for ornamental reasons and landscaping for medicinal value. So I had to change from color and beauty and height and shape and form to you know, yield per acre and constituent increase in the constituents. So, and I've been doing that ever since. So the company I run now, which is my own company, Native Botanicals, that's exactly what we do. When a customer comes to us and says, I need 10,000 pounds of golden seal or black co-wash or blood root, whatever it is, Hmm. we go out and either procure it from the wild or we bring it in domestication and cultivate it to supply them the raw material that they further process and end up that end up on the shelves in the supplement dietary supplement aisle in your stores today. So, it, what's? Uh, I mean, isn't aren't these botanical ingredients just botanical ingredients so easy to harvest and find? I mean, the, I, I would imagine that most cust, most consumers perhaps don't have an a, a, an appreciation perhaps for the what the differences in quality of different botanical ingredients. And I think actually a lot of people would be overtly astonished, uh, disgusted perhaps, and uh, I I would believe surprised at how much counterfeiting is actually going on in the botanical space. Uh, I just at this recent Congress we went at, I was, Mm -hmm. uh, there were a couple of presentations that were talking about doing fingerprinting of different botanical ingredients and over it, it like, uh, I don't remember what it was. I think it was a licorice or um, some sort of, there were a couple of different products, but over 80% of the products that they audited on the shelf were counterfeit, had had maybe a little bit of the actual botanical ingredient in there, but the rest was all other ingredients that mimicked the um the profile of the terpenes or the other compounds that were in there and i i what i'd like what i want to do is um on a topical basis Mm -hmm. uh spend some time with you every month or so and just talk about different herbs where we can find the quality those quality ingredients what perhaps consumers should look for in buying them and maybe a little bit more of an appreciation of some of the background and and some of the perhaps medicinal application of these of these ingredients. Sure. What what do you say? Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, it was good. And just just to address some of those things, yeah, I mean, majority of the stakeholders in this market in the natural products industry are 
or good and want to do things right. And whenever I heard the same sentence when we were at the conference at 80% of what they tested, that also depends on what kind of store did they go in. Did they, did they get mm. these off at Walmart, which is, you know, Walmart, they're going for price. And when you're going for just a cheaper price, that's where you see more of the adulterated products in there. If you're going into a health food store, a specialty store, you're ordering online for a more reputable company that's been here for years, you know, with a very good reputation, then that percentage has dropped tremendously. You just don't see that type of uh, misbranding but, or adulteration. So, but these guys are getting smart, Ed. They really are. I mean, I, I the the way that they fool the the companies that are bringing the you know, the quality departments that are bringing this stuff in to test it. I, you know, I'd, I'd be quite honest, if we didn't know the, in, the, the we use ingredients that we have tested to a, to the nth degree in many, yeah. in many cases, by and large, we use Jivudan or Naturex for a lot of our botanicals, mm -hmm. the important ones. Yeah. And we know that what we're getting is what we need. We do molecular testing on, on yeah. the pro, on the materials. But I, I was, I got to tell you, some of the other botanicals like Golden yeah. Seal, if I if I had gotten a golden seal in and done uh, an FDIR fingerprint, which is like an infrared spectroscopy, right. I uh, I bet you they would have fooled us based upon the kind of knowledge I have out there. It just it it the people are counterfeiting this stuff. It's rampant, and it begs the question of what is real and what's not real. Just like you said, you know your source. That's what I tell everyone, no matter if you're buying it at the, you know, the finished product level or the beginning level, you need to know your source, audit your source very well and know what to look for and know what to test for. Mm. So that's very important. So, yes, when you get into a higher priced item, like uh, when I'm talking higher price, generally speaking, when I'm talking about prices, it's going to be a dried herb and it's going to be to the, the prices that we pay to our growers or our, our diggers or things. And a lot of the herbs are in the single digit numbers, you know, $3, $4, $8 or $9. When you get into golden seal, it's a double digit and up in the 20 to $30 a dried pound. Wow. More inclination for people to adulterate. So there are those opportunities. And unfortunately, you're right. There are people out there who, who do that. So uh, we're going to cut, we're going to come back in, in a minute here, but I wanted to, you know, one of the statistics that uh, I, I saw, and I think you shared with me, is that the global demand for golden seal is a, a, a bigger multiple of than what is actually harvested on an annual basis, which just goes to further support the idea that most of the golden seal out there is probably adulterated or not not of a, a high, not really golden seal. Yeah, is that, is that I, true? I don't remember sharing that with you because the numbers that we give from the American Herbal Proxy Association, based on our members' inputs or different. So you must have received that from another. Well, I might have misheard it, but it, yeah. it seemed to me that the amount of golden seal that actually is uh, the demand, I, I might have seen it somewhere. I don't know. I'll have to look at my higher, reference. Yeah. yeah, the demand is much higher than what the actual supply is. Yeah, that's true. That, that's that's true. true. The demand is right now, we can't grow enough golden seal because we're, we're we've been, I've been cultivating golden seal. Well, I started growing it in the 1970s when I was in my family's nursery business for ornamental reasons. As a matter of fact, I was going to show you. I was just out in the greenhouse earlier today, and I brought in a oh, wow. golden seal. They're starting to come up. You can see the blooms are just about to start blooming there. It's an early spring bloomer, so they're getting sprouted. That's but, beautiful. Uh, 
So I grew those as ornamental for many years, but then in the mid nineties, when I came into the medicinal industries, when we started in 1996, we planted our first crop of uh, golden silver. We've been growing it ever since trying to meet the market. And there's still a higher demand for cultivated uh, today than there was back then. We just can't continue to grow. All right. Well, we're, we're going to, we're going to come back after a short break and I guess let's okay. dig into golden seal. It's kind of its history and, uh, and uh, what we, uh, what we look for in that product. So just stay tuned. We'll be right back. Our mission is to take nature's most beloved botanicals and enhance them with our liquid protein scaffold technology. This helps it reach your cells faster and better with exponentially enhanced bioavailability you'll feel better every day. Ultra Botanica, the feel-good curcumin. Get yours today at ultratoday.com. Welcome back to Ultra Life Today. I'm Adam Payne, uh, CEO of Ultra Botanica, and uh, we've been talking to Ed Fletcher about uh, Golden Seal. Let's get Ed back here. All right, Ed, we, we, in our previous segment, we talked about um, some of the difficulties with um, supply of different herbal ingredients. And, um, boy, you went to the greenhouse and you, yeah. you pulled out a, um, uh, an example of, that was golden seal, right? Yeah. You, yeah, got it, sure you still got it right there. So yeah, why, why is, I mean, golden seal has quite a history. Why is it so it popular? It does. Well, I remember like, my mom... Ten yeah. years ago, she was like, when I got sick, she'd be like, take golden seal. It will make you better. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly in that. That's right. Exactly in that Jewish kind of yeah. accent. Well, she's from Boston. So it would be more like, oh, okay. Adam, okay. You need, you're sick. You take golden seal. Take some from my <laughs> cupboard. So That's what is right. what is golden seal, Ed? What what Why is it so popular and why are people taking it these days? Well, I mean, golden seal is a, one of our native medicinal, native to the U.S. Oh, so it's not a European plant? Pardon? It's, it's not a European plant? No, sir. It's native only to North America. Wow. Only to the about 17, maybe 18 or 19 different states in the eastern U.S., mainly focusing in the Appalachian Mountain Range. Okay. So it's one that's been used traditionally by the Appalachians and spread around the world. But as you, as your wise grandmother told you to take golden seal, you probably saw it when you went to get it or take it. It was either in a mix with echinacea and golden seal. That's, that's right. Yeah, it was echinacea and golden seal all the time. Exactly right. Uh, it, what, I got to ask the question because it popped. Was this part of the Native American yes. kind of uh, medicinal population? So where? How did they use it back in, you know, pre-Columbia, Columbus? Right. What were their, what was their pharmacopoeia? And how did they use it? Do you know? Well, I mean, it's a well-known as an antibacterial, anti-convulsant. So they used it mostly as an antibacterial. The Indians used the roots. Uh, and Mar I know the Cherokee Indians, which is the reservation near here, and I'm part Cherokee in my blood. So my grandmother also would use golden seal often along with some of the other native medicinals here in the area. But uh, it's traditionally used as a tea or tincture to influence. I'm just reading this straight out of the medicinal. Sure, yeah. Yeah, to get it straight to uh, inflame mucous membranes of the mouth, throat, or digestive system. So, Interesting. 
So it, it so tell us a little bit about uh, how, how you talk about wild harvesting. Yes. Is that really still a thing here in the U.S.? Or believe it or not, it is. Oh yes, in a lot of the rural areas. I mean, where I grew up, uh, here in the mountains of North Carolina, a lot of people did that as some winter income. Whenever they weren't able to uh, do work in the summertime, in the wintertime, they would go out and harvest the roots of these plants and sell them to get, you know, money to eat and everything, or to barter. I read mm. a good book. I was in the process of reading a really good book about how the bartering worked because people would dig some roots and go to their local store and their the buyer there would trade the roots for food or flour and things to eat so literally it has been a a means of uh income in many ways that's so amazing so they so uh, was this kind of is this i'm curious are these people like like family passing down knowledge from mother yes. to father about where to find these things, and we we talked briefly while uh, at yeah. the conference about the uh, about American ginseng, and that that's going to be a topic for kind of a whole future discussion, yes. right? Yes. So, yes. how do people? What does the plant look like, and um, how is it used medicinally right now? Is is yes. it the leaves that are used, or the sap, or is it something else? So it's a herbaceous perennial, as you saw, the green plant I showed you. Grows perennial means back. it grows every year, so it, it keeps growing? It comes back every year. Herbaceous okay. means that it, it dies back every year in the winter and comes back in the spring and grows through the summer. Okay. It blooms in, normally in the wild uh, at our altitude here, it blooms around uh, late May, early June out in the mm -hmm. wild, and then it sets a seed, uh, and that seed is usually ripe around late June, early July. So that's when you can pick the seed and replant the seed. And then you harvest it in the fall after there's been a cold period because of what the cold does, it, the constituents, when the plants are growing, all herbaceous perennials, the energy is focused in the roots during the winter. And then when it sprouts and starts growing in the summer, obviously those constituents translocate through the vascular system of the plant into the herbaceous portion of the plant. Well, that's interesting. So if you want to harvest something that you're harvesting the herb, you do that in the summer when it's up and growing. But in gold, with golden seal, where most of the use is for the root, you wait until we have a cold period, dormant, that kills it down, and the constituents translocate back to the root. So the hold, a, hold on a second. So this yeah. is fascinating. I mean, come yeah. really? So, yeah. can, so there's actually the plant essentially pulls back down from the yeah. herb that was growing all of the benefits it concentrates it back into the root exactly are you serious oh yeah so That's this has been this has been studied or you oh, see yeah. it yeah no i've done it i've seen it there's lots of studies on that but you can we've tested plants dug them one month throughout the growing season and they're weaker in the roots and stronger in the herb and then in the fall they're stronger in the roots oh my gosh that is so fascinating that so is each plant has a and I've learned, gleaned this through the years and learned it, it has a specific period where the constituents are located or focused, concentrated more in what part of the plant you're using. You need to know that. That's Later a, on, we'll have a conversation about echinacea when you harvest the herb, depending on if you want your cork acid, captoric mm. acid, or total phenols. But with golden seal, it's the uh, alkaloid content, the berberine and hydrastine, the two main alkaloids that you're looking for. Oh, I didn't know berberine was a major component of golden seal. Yes. So we use, you know, we use berberine as a um, as a uh, a material for one of our uh, oncology products called yes. Pathway Three. 
amazing anti amazing antimicrobial activity. Oh, yes, amazing. And there's a lot of other there's a lot of other good sources of berberine. And my my personal opinion, if you're looking for just berberine, I would suggest look at other sources of berberine because it's much more readily available. Right, and the golden seal is going to be so much more difficult to to to. to but you said hydrastine or hydrastine? Hydrastine. Hydrastine. Mm -hmm. I have to write that down. I'm going to do some research on okay. that one. Yeah. But yeah, but those are the two. Most of my customers have a minimum total alkaloid content. I think it's 2.5% uh, of berberine and hydrastine with a combination of minimum 5%, especially uh, when they're doing extraction on the products. That makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense, Ed. So, so I guess what we're getting at here is that the the uh, harvested part of golden seal is not the herbaceous part, but the rhizome. Uh, there's a small market where there are, there's a small oh. market for some people using the herb, but majority is for the root. And so is that where the traditional use comes from, is from the root? Yes, it is. So how are people using the root? Is it a uh, as a topical or is it, are they drying it down and then using it as a uh, for uh, capsules or for other other materials? I would say a majority of it goes into powder, into capsules, but there are some of our customers also doing extraction. So it just okay. Where the, oh, yeah. so they're taking the, the plant and then doing a primary extraction like a yes. four to one or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So... Uh, Ed, so give give me an idea. We get one plant that you're that is found in the wild. How much root is somebody be able to get from from that plant? Well, I'll tell you this: that in the way we gauge how many plants is for most all of it, is how many dried plants per pound. So golden seal to get it, one pound of dry golden seal. And generally speaking, as a general term. The fresh to dry ratio on most herbs, root crops, are three to one. So you're going to dig three pounds of fresh root. And then when you wash it, clean it, and dry it down, you're going to end up with one pound. Three, to, If you dig three pounds of root, you end up with one pound of dried product. So okay. generally speaking, if you're harvesting for the wild, you're looking at 18 to 22 plants per pound of golden seal dry. Holy tamole. And they're only getting $20 or so of per per pound or something like well, that? that that was it about two years ago in the last two years that price has gone up quite a bit and it's fluctuated but to get a, another reason that's why we started cultivating golden seal because the company i worked with at the time and said hey we see the pressure on golden seal in the wild let's start cultivating it more and that's what we've been doing so Fortunately, so, so it's a cottage business for people that are going out and doing wild harvesting you're not going to make a fortune doing it I guess yeah. you, you could actually make ends meet if you were actually yeah. cultivating it, except you kind of uh, took the rug out from under me when I when we started discussing this. How long, Ed, does yeah. it take for that plant to mature so that you can actually harvest it? So hold on to your hold on to your 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 horses here or whatever, your chair. Don't fall out of it because yeah. get so take a moment and guess. Think to yourself, one year, two years. Okay, most of you are thinking, okay, three years it would take yeah. to mature a plant. Ed, how many years does it take for a, a golden seal plant to mature? If a golden seal propagates from a seed, asexually, I mean sexually from a seed, it takes six to eight years for it to oh bloom, mature. That's why that, majority majority of the cultivated material, we, we do root, asexual division, do root division, Right. You can do that in four to six years, but 
from a city. Oh, it's instead of eight years, you just four to six years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So anyway, I mean, it's an investment. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. we have to rotate. You know, it's not an annual crop, so it's a rotation. In other words, we're planting this year. We're planting our seeds, twenty-two for harvest in twenty twenty-nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah, but I will say this, Adam, that the companies that are not thinking that far ahead with Golden Seal, I mean, the more it becomes uh, harder to get in the so wild. Then it's going to be impossible. I, and you told me this, but you said yeah. if I came to you and said, hey, Ed, I yeah. need 20 kilos of Golden Seal, yeah. what would you tell me? I'd say maybe in 2027 or 28, you might have a little <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, I guess, folks, Ultra Botanica will not be having a Golden Seal product in the near future. Okay. We're thinking about planning for something maybe in 2030. That's right. So hold on to your horses, That's put right. it in your calendars, and um, and maybe we'll be launching something then. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, not all herbs are so difficult to uh, come You're across right. and, and to source. Right. Um but folks, this has been uh, Adam Payne. I have Ed Fletcher here with me. Uh, this is Ultra Life Today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Ed, uh, stick around after the broadcast, or uh, let, let's chat. But okay. folks, thanks for joining us. Take care. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Yep, bye. What do you think? Do you think black pepper is necessary for the adequate absorption of curcumin into the body? True or false? It's actually false. Black pepper or piperin extract does not improve the absorption of curcumin into the body. It inhibits enzymes in the liver are responsible for the breakdown of curcumin molecules that absorb into your body. Curcumin is a material that's poorly absorbed in its native form. It's in a crystal, it's bound to itself. LPS technology binds those curcumin molecules to a protein and then as your body digests that protein amino acid, those molecules get absorbed right into your body. So you don't need to use black pepper or oil in order to aid the absorption. We're already providing molecular curcumin in our liquid protein scaffold. We want you to see for yourself whether UltraCur can create a breakthrough in the inflammation in your body. UltraCur, the feel-good curcumin.